are listening to the WB Download, coming to you from Wheeland Builders Showroom and Studio 1C. We are a podcast centered around building custom homes, the customer experience of building a custom home, and a really entertaining listen from many great guests and interviews that may or may not have anything to do with building. I'm excited to share with you their voice and their stories that will enhance your idea of the custom builder world. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Jeff Whelan with Whelan Builders right here coming to you live from Studio 1C and WB headquarters. Uh, thanks for joining us here on this Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023. Um, and we have a great show coming to you today. Our guest is none other than myself, so I can bore the death out of you and uh, and talk about we're going to take it into the next phase here as far as talking about framing the house. So let's go ahead and, and uh, get fired up into it and get started into it. Um, you know, one of the things I want to do, a couple things I need to do right off the bat, coming into the What's Happening Now series right now on our podcast, um, I need to make a couple corrections that I had for the last episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed our episode with uh, Isaac Sievers, the Lebanon uh, City Schools superintendent. I know I did, and I, I got a little bit of ridicule because I was so excited about having him on here. But I thought he did a great job, and it was a really cool interview, and a guy that's just got uh, a lot of knowledge and just a good dude all the way around. And so, number one, I need to uh, give a shout-out to my man Dan Geis out in Golden, Colorado, uh, Summit Custom Homes out there. So when I go down the list and I start talking about Builder 20 guys, apparently I named everybody except for him and he's my dude. And, and, uh, and I apologize, man, we love you over here in Cincinnati, Ohio. And, and we're sorry that we didn't, um, that I didn't, it's my fault. I'm not sure why I'm saying we, uh, say your name, man, Dan Geis, Summit Custom Homes, Golden, Colorado. If you're anywhere in the area, stop in and see him and, uh, and build a house with him. Good people there. Um, and so, uh, the other thing I need to do is correct uh, when I said uh, Lynn Ellison, who was the person asking one of the questions, uh, She, I said she was a sixth grade teacher. She's a seventh grade teacher at Lebanon City Schools. And of course, everybody who's perfect out there has to make sure that they're correcting me on all this stuff that uh, that I didn't say um, right. And then the other thing that we missed, and I did, I, I missed it intentionally because I thought that we were going to do a recap of it, but Mother's Day was uh, last weekend and or two weekends ago. And, um, and man, I always had this thought that I was going to interview my mom on Mother's Day and we just didn't get around to it and, and uh, kind of ran out of time, but uh, for this podcast, but we spent some, uh, some time with her we, and my mom and dad at church and we uh, came back to our place and spent some time as a family getting some things ready around the farm. Um, there's two parts to our farm. There's the living part and then there's the working part. The working part is much more larger, but the living part seems to have a lot more stuff that needs to be done all the time. So, uh, we did that trying to get it to the position where we could enjoy it. And, uh, my wife chose that, uh, she said, that's what we should do. And so that's what I worked on. So mother's day, man, love all you mothers out there. And thank you to the mothers that are in my life that, um, have just been a great inspiration for me. Uh, something else I did this last, uh, maybe a week ago and it's going to air in two weeks ago, I was invited to be on Brad Levitt's, um, uh, podcast from AFT Construction out in Phoenix, Arizona. And man, I, I've never met the guy, but I, I was uh, on the podcast with him. And he's just one of those guys that I'm kind of jealous of because he's super cool dude, laid back, got an awesome company and just a, a great personality and and um, and got to have a really good conversation with him. So we'll say more about that um, next episode. He's going to be bringing it out. And uh, and again, I enjoyed it. So another thing that we got to do um, in the last two weeks here was we made our submittal for the Homerama show for 2024. Uh, we have some customers that have been floating around out there uh, around the neighborhood. We looked at the lots pretty hard and we finally made the decision to um, sign a contract and put our deposit down to build in the show in 2024. Pretty exciting stuff because the customers that I'm talking about, this will be the third time that we've got to work with them. Um, and, and they're such great people and we've become kind of friends with them and, um, man, I'm just, I'm pretty excited about it. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it. So that's, what's happening right now. in uh, in the mid, and you know, the other thing that's getting ready to happen is next week, uh, or this week rather is the last week of school for my kids. And, and so, um, I think the last actual working time for the kids in school was like two weeks ago, but uh, this will be the last week. So my son will be coming out of the fifth grade, going into the sixth grade. My daughter will be coming out of the third grade, going into the fourth grade. And um, they're, they're pumped up about it. They're pumped up about the summertime. 
And, um, but it doesn't seem like it stops because we're in so many sports. We've got so many things going on that your schedule stays just as busy and you just hope you find some downtime in, in between there to, uh, to enjoy it. But, um, so that's, what's going on right here in uh, Southwest Ohio and Wheeland builders in my world. Um, not much going on on the farm. We're still waiting on that one baby to come here in, in June, uh, the beginning of June. And, um, and that'll be the last one for a little bit until the fall. But, um, yeah, man. And the guys were out, uh, Clinton, Dan pro shell. They were out, uh, planting this week, the last week we've had some rain. Uh, they were starting to get pretty depressed and, and not being able to get everything in. And, and finally I come home the other day and it looked like they were, they were running uh, gangbusters trying to get everything in before the rain came back around again. And it looks like they, they hit it pretty good. And, and uh, our farm's got a mix of corn and beans on it and they got it all on the ground. So here's to uh, happy planting for 2024 uh, or 2023 rather. So, all right, let's, let's get into it. Let's start talking about, uh, we went into, if you guys have been following when I do these episodes, um, that, that we get into, we talked about how to find your lot, um, how to find your builder. And then we started talking about, um, how to do the foundation excavation, uh, a lot of different things that are going on there. So let's assume at this point in time in the game, uh, we've got, our foundation sitting there. We've got steel beams set. We've got the basement floor, garage floor is poured and the backfill is all complete. And our lumber package has been delivered. And for us, uh, what we like to do is we don't get all the lumber shipped out at one time. Now we used to do that when, when we were building some production houses way back in the day, we could ship everything out because the guys were pumping them out in a week and they needed everything there. Um, now we have to do, cause it only fit so much on the truck. We do it in stages. Um, there's certain parts that come out, but, uh, the first thing that comes out is the knee walls in the basement. So if, if, and if we did the knee, if, if the basement is a walkout basement, uh, I should back up here a little bit. If the basement's a walkout basement before we set the steel beams, we want to make sure that the framers have come in and built the knee walls, which are the framed walls that go on the step down part of the foundation all the way around the back of the house. And then the steel beams can get set. We do that because we want to make sure that they have leveled everything up shot everything across the top of the walls and the beams can get set and, and they're level and in place with the rest of the walls. Um, and so we built the knee walls. Now we've got the beam set and now we're getting ready to build the subfloor. The subfloor is what we, some people call it the deck. This is the floor joist for the first floor. And then the, the plywood goes on top of there. And then, then we start framing the walls on top of that. Um, so once the framing is complete ways, we're going through the framing. I mean, this is a stage where if you're going to, if you're a homeowner and you're going to go out there and see these guys working, you're going to see lumber, um, scattered all over the place. It's, it could be a mess. It could be really nice and neat either way. There's lumber all over the place. These guys are using it the best they can and, and getting through it. Um, but it's, it could be a lengthy process on a big house and, but it's cool because you see progress, you, you see progression every day, um, for the most part. And then, you know, what you're leading up to is getting that thing under roof. And that's a big deal. Uh, once you get it under roof, then you get into the mechanical stage and, and you keep on trucking. But, um, so, you know, one of the things I realized is when we were going through that lumber crisis, um, if you want to see value in the materials that you're buying, have them put all together in one place because you normally we get loads delivered. We use it loads delivered. We use it. And so you don't see all the lumber stacked together in one place. And when we were in that tough time there where we were, uh, lumber was going crazy, we were buying lumber as soon as we could. And then we were storing it up at our farm. So we would buy a job at a time and keep it up there for one to try and save the customer money, but also because we were worried about not being able to get the material at all. So we wanted to make sure we had it and, uh, and we'd store it up there at the farm. And if you have one whole house full of lumber sitting in one spot, you can't believe how much lumber I've been doing this my whole life. And I just couldn't believe how much material is all there just for that one house. And it's just tons and tons so that you can definitely see, I want to take pictures of it and say, this is the value in what you're paying for in this lumber. Um, so the, the lumber comes and goes, lumber comes and goes, it looks like the house is eating it up. And, um, and then finally we get the trusses set and the guys start sheeting the roof and the trusses. And, and what we want to do is, is, is right away, get that thing under roof. Um, so everything's covered up and protected. And, uh, and there's certain things that happen after that. So once the house is framed, um, there's some things that I'm paying attention to. And a lot of things that I'm paying attention to as I'm out there. Number one, we have to have the cabinet company come out right away and we want them to lay out all the cabinets in the house, uh, because sometimes there's some half walls that need to be built. 
Um, sometimes there's some return walls that need to be built. There's some, some appliance offsets. There's some number of different things that we need to make sure that we're paying attention to. And if there's any issues in those areas, we want to catch them right away and, and be able to adjust to them. Um, we're going around and, uh, and we're taking a tape measure and we're measuring the width of every door and the height of every door. And then we're taking a big black marker and we're, we're writing on the hinge side, which way the door swings, the size of the door. And so that way we know that it's been checked. And when the electrician's coming in there and the heating and air conditioning guys are coming in there, they know where to put vents and they know where to put switches. And then also when the inside trim uh, supplier walks through that job, he can look at it and see that this is where the, this is the doors. This is correct. And he's probably going to do the same thing, measuring these doors. But then uh, it's also for when the guys are getting ready to set the doors, when they're walking around, they can read those, hint, those, those door stops and door jams and understand where the doors go. Uh, we're checking the rough opening sizes of the windows, making sure that they're the correct size per plan, per the window order, in case there was any changes on it. You don't want to get the guys out there to set the windows and it's not the, not the correct opening because it screws everything up and then they got to make return trips. Um, confirm all bearing blocks are installed. So this is something that you're going to hear terms. Well, it maybe you don't because you don't care about it, but I use terms, uh, doubler, tripler, uh, quad, uh, girder, gables, um, you know, all sorts of different things, bearing points. So when we build this house, everything works as a system. Um, the, the whole foundation works as a system. The foundation works as a system with the basement floor being poured on the inside of it and the subfloor being poured on the top of it. It's like a box. It has a bottom and a top to it. And if that box doesn't have that top sealed perfectly, then it's real wiggly on the sides. But once it's sealed up tight, the box is really tough. You could almost stand on it. So that's what we want to picture that foundation as is all of that stuff. So when the other thing that happens is it's not so much the this is where we talk about when we talk about bearing points, point load. All the sheeting and everything that goes on the walls and different things that happen in there, we're talking about shear, which means that when the house moves and when the wind blows and when things are happening in that house, the, the twist and the side to side, that's what we worry about quite a bit. Uh, and when I say worry about it, I mean, we're we're focused on it, um, not necessarily because people say, oh, two by fours are, are two by two, two by sixes and two by fours and this and that. That's that's great if you're talking about point load and insulation value. But but we really want to focus on the shear the twisting of the house, but the point loaded I'm talking about right now, again, the system. So if you have a bearing point in the trusses, you got a, what I call a doubler or a girder, a triple or something that's running across the top floor, the second floor of a house that has to have solid bearing point all the way down to the foundation or all the way down to the beam in the, in the basement, something all the way down there. So when we do this, you're going to see a bunch of two by fours stacked together inside the wall, carrying that load. And it carries on and goes all the way down to the basement uh, and down to the foundation or down to the beam. Some other things that we do is it, with this is going all the way around the perimeter of the outside of the foundation. So when you have the floor joists going back and forth, front to back, the walls that, that run perpendicular to the floor joists, they sit on all the joists. The walls that run in a, in a joist cavity, we want to make sure that there's blocking in between there to hold those walls up. So that's another point load that we're worried about and concerned about. We want to make sure that it all has solid bearing going down through there. Um, and when I say blocks and some, you know, on them outside walls, they're running every two feet or something, making sure that that, that wall is sitting on something besides just plywood. Um, when you have anything that's going on with a, with a column upstairs on the second floor, top floor, you got to look all the way down to the beam. Now you can't have that thing sitting on plywood that's on top of the beam or sitting on one single joist on top of the beam. You have to have multiple blocks that are solid that go all the way down to the beam. Um, the other thing we're, we're looking at is confirm the roof venting design and, and material selections for that. So when we're looking at this, we use ridge vents 99% of the time. Sometimes we don't get enough of the airflow calculated to come out of that roof. And, and so what we want is this, the soffits, the eaves, the soffits on the outside of the house to be vented. We want, um, the, the hip, um, ventilation coming out of there. What am I talking about? Um, and then, and then the roof vents, um, the coming up out of the top of it. So we want that airflow to come in and, and rise up and be able to pull out of there. That heat that's in the attic needs to get out of there. So that's what we're talking about with these ridge vents. Um, sometimes we can't get that calculation up. So we have to put some other hats that we call back there, some vented, um, roof vents that are on, or some slanted roof vents that are on the back of the house. Can't talk today. Um, so then the other thing we're going through is, is walking around and making sure that the, all the, all the rooms, 
um, you know, they're level walls, um, but we're also taking a long two by four that's straight or a long level, six, eight foot level, um, and, and running it down the walls and making sure that there's no bowed studs. And we have to do this also right before drywall as well, because if it sits there for a minute, those, those studs could bow and it just screws up the wall for the drywall. If you have backsplashes, whatever you have going on in there, it really could mess things up. So we want to make sure that we're paying attention to this. We are using a lot of natural materials, wood materials, man-made materials or, or natural um, materials that do things that are out of our control. We try to control them, but we can't control them. So if you see this in your house and you're like, this stud's bowed, this builder sucks, that's not the case. Um, well, you bought cheap lumber, that's not the case. It's just not the way it goes. Um, it, this is this is a matter of wood, lumber, everything. It does it. It's tough. You got to just make sure that if you see it, you point it out and, and let your builder know um, that it needs some attention. Um, we, uh, we also... Um, look for some problematic areas where if you're looking at a roof section and an eave or something that comes down where it could be leaking, you want to make sure we, we address that now and not try and do that later on, uh, after it leaks, you know, I mean, this is a point where you have a valley that comes down off the roof and it ends up into like a four inch area that, well, if you're taking 150, 200 square feet of roof area and bringing it down to a four inch spot, well, that's tough. You got to make sure that we're trying to change that somehow or another. Um, we're, we're confirming that all lath catches are in place. So a lath catch is when you come up to a corner of a wall or a corner of a ceiling, you have to have something that, um, nail that the drywall is going to nail to. And so we want to make sure that there's blocking in there. Sometimes when you walk into a house and you see some blocking back and forth in the stud space, and it looks like a ladder for your kids to climb on and get up to the second floor, that is not a ladder that is blocking to get the drywall to nail to. Um, we, uh, we mark on the floor where some, uh, finished flooring starts and stops at so people can see different things where the hardwood's going to start at and where the where the tile would start at and where carpet would start at uh, we want to make sure the safety rails are in place on the stairs and, and different places this is tough because uh, usually you put them up and then somebody's trying to get some upstairs and then they take them down and you always have to make sure that the safety is, is on the job um and then, you know, we, we hang all this, we, we want to make sure that we hang all of our selection sheets up on the glass on the back so people can see what they need to see. We also have binders that we keep in a plastic container. We keep our plans in a plastic container on the site so people have them accessible to them at all times. Um, I'm also walking around and making sure we use things called hurricane clips, um, hurricane, we have truss ties, uh, we have um joist hangers. We have a number of different things and I'm looking at all those things, wherever one piece of lumber meets another perpendicular to it. And it's bearing some, so to speak, we want to hanger on that wherever the trusses, uh, or a rafter meets the wall, um, whether it be exterior or interior, that's the point where it's going to be there. Uh, it's a code and, and a good idea anyway, to make sure that we put this truss, uh, clip on there. And, and it's, it's all too, they call it, they, they refer to a hurricane. Uh, but what it is, is just holding those trusses down. It's just not nailed toe nailed to the wall. It's another metal Simpson is a, is a company that makes all these metal different devices that we use on the house and it's holding everything together. Um, we got to make sure that the truss specs are on site and all of our truss specs are engineered and, and our trusses are engineered. They're built and engineered a certain way with those trusses being built. There's also specific bracing that needs to happen up in that attic and it calls it out on the truss plans on the truss design. So I'm looking at those things and making sure that those are all in place because if, if we don't, it's not good for the house. I mean, those trusses are going to move and they're made to move and do different things only if the bracing is correct. So hopefully the building inspector is going to be looking at these too. If you have multiple girder trusses and girder truss is a big, large truss that's usually doubled up, tripled up or quadded up. And, and it, that means that it has something hanging off of it and, and it's got a bearing point that comes down to it, but there's usually a nailing pattern that goes along with this. And it'll say, you know, four by 12, which means you have four nails every 12 inches. Um, or, or they want you to stagger them or they want you to be, you know, in line with each other. There's a number of different things you have to pay attention to on that. Um, confirm all the LVL and double joist areas. So sometimes you'll be looking in your basement and it'll be in all the joists are 16 inches on center. Then sometimes you look, they're 12 inches on center. And sometimes you look and they're doubled up. And sometimes you look and there'll be a single, single, and then all of a sudden a double or a triple. That means that there's something going on up there that you have to pay attention to. Usually underneath our fireplaces, we have a, a double or a tripler in, in those areas because it's carrying extra weight. If we're underneath the kitchen where all the appliances are, where the island is, we're trying to, to brace those a little bit better. 
Um, floor joists have and, and wood has uh, what we call a modulus of elasticity, which is the bendability of that of that joist. It's how we end up uh, with the spans on them. And if you have a two by 10, that, and then the building code says, well, you can run it this far. We don't necessarily build by the building code because the building code is the minimum of what you have to do. And we want to make sure that this house is not going to, our houses at Wheeland Builders are not going to be the minimum. We want to make sure that they're that they're strong. So even if it does hold up the island and the refrigerator and the dishwasher and everything that's in that kitchen, I don't want somebody walking across that floor and the things bouncing and the glasses are shaking inside the cut the cabinet. Uh, we got to make sure that those those are all strong and and in good places there. Um, the fireplaces, you got to make sure that the fireplaces are in place, that they have fire blocking in place. And there's other areas in the house that have to have fire blocking. You have to make sure that the fireplace has the proper clearances all the way around it. Um, and if things are cleaned off out of that whole, that whole place in there, that whole space where the fireplace is, is very important. Most of our fireplaces on the interior are pre, um, prefab gas units, which they don't, you don't have to worry about it. But when you get in a wood burner, you really have to pay attention to it um, and pay a lot, pay a lot of attention to it, please. Um, and then also we have, we use on the outside of our house. So we're, we're talking about framing. Uh, another thing we do is, is we in, in Southwest Ohio, we use a house wrap or a home wrap on the outside. There are several different ones you can use. There's uh, paper wraps, which are a Tyvek and a tie par and a couple of, I think Georgia Pacific has a few of them. These are materials that allow the water and the air to flow out, uh, but it lets the air transfer back and forth, but lets the water out, but doesn't let the water back in, the moisture out, but not the moisture back in. We use a spray-on barrier called EnviroDry, and we've used it since 2011. It's um, it's 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 a great product. I mean, it boosts our energy ratings, gives us unbelievable ratings and it really works good. And it's what we believe, you know, and when we look at this stuff, it seals the out of that side of that house the way it should. Uh, whereas when we use zip wall and we use paper, um, uh, wraps on, on houses, then you get into the nails that go into it and you get into the taping that goes into it and you got to worry about it tearing and flashing and things sticking to it. Um, we really like zip wall as well. Uh, but a lot of tape that goes on that deal and, and we have to really worry about and when we're nailing and how you seal those nails up if the nails didn't hit flush on the, on the, uh, plywood. Um, so we're checking that and making sure that there's the, the penetrations that we're putting out there, anything that's happening, the flashings are all in place that it's covered perfectly even. Um, and, and that's a really important part of, of what we do. Now there's a number of different things that go on on the outside of the house. And, and as we look at moisture intrusion, we look at it protecting this house, everything that goes on the wall on the exterior, we, we consider it to act like a shingle. So you want to start at the bottom and then go up. So when, and, and seal everything off at the top. So when we're flashing a window on the outside of here, or we're flashing for the brick at the foundation, we want to make sure that we, we put that flashing on and then we seal the top of it. And then when we seal the window around the window, we're flashing the bottom of it, we're flashing the sides and then we're flashing the top of it. So if there was any moisture intrusion, that stuff's running right down the wall and running right over top of the, the flashing. Um, some more stuff that we want to, we want to, uh, pay attention to. Um, and you can't assume that these things are just automatically going to go on and, and have no, no problem. Um, so the other thing we want to make sure of is that we're hanging all the, the cabinet layouts and, and there's a, our binders on site where guys can look at the cabinet layout for when the mechanics come in here. And if there's any special blocking that we need, anything that we need to pay attention to, um, for, for that. Um, so, you know, there's, there's back jams that go on in the garage doors that hold the garage doors up that hold the garage door openers up. Um, there's attic accesses that need to happen in the, in, in different areas where you have to access that area nine times out of 10 in Cincinnati or Southwest Ohio here, those attic accesses are only for access. So we have to get back in and blow the insulation there. You have to run some wiring up there. And if you ever had to get up in there to check something or look at something, uh, that's what those are for. They're not for storage is my point in saying that, um, we, uh, we want to check all the room sizes for square and, and, uh, making sure that they're good. The, um, stairway inspection, just making sure that how we, um, this, that most of the time our stairs are finished stairs, so they're not just carpet grade stairs. So you have to make sure that they're covered when they're installed, making sure that the roof is on first, uh, before we move on to anything else. When we get into, um, the start and put finished products, so the windows are wood trim windows on the inside, the stairs are on the inside. You don't want those things going in until, um, we have the roof on, on the house, uh, because it, it's all needs to be protected. 
most of your plywood materials and your, your framing materials are somewhat of an exterior grade. Um, now they can't be laying in a puddle of water and then you go put it up on the house. That's not the way it works, but if it rains on it and snows on it, um, you know, it's going to be okay. If it rains for six weeks on it and nobody ever does anything and water just lays on top of there and it just sits and sits and sits, you're going to have a problem somewhere or another and you're going to have to pay attention to that floor. But for the most part, uh, when, when it's raining and the snow is on there, you're going to be okay. Um, so when we get into, so, so that's the framing. I mean, you know, the framing is, there's a lot of moving parts to it. Headers, um, you know, sizing and beams and girder, all these, that's really, you know, a lot of people pay attention to, you know, is the house, you know, squared up? Is it, is it flat on the walls? These are all important things. The structure of it, you have to pay attention to those bearing points. You have to pay attention to those, to those really heavy members that are making the house work. Um, then we get into, so the next step after that is, is we've got our the house wrap on there or our Enviro Dry on there. The house is framed up in the air and we've ordered the shingles. The shingles should be sitting there and the guys are getting ready to put the roof on. Um, and this is all happening fairly quickly because again, we want to get it dried in. The reason most of the time why we haven't put the shingles on yet uh, before the Enviro Dry is because that Enviro Dry makes a mess out of everything. Every single thing that you can think of, it makes a mess of, and we got to be careful that we have to protect everything. So we want to try and wait as long as we can to put anything in there before that environment dry gets on. So now we're putting the roof on. Uh, once the roof roofing material gets delivered, and this is a supervisor's job, this is a builder's job, is to go out and make sure that the color is correct, make sure the manufacturer is correct, and making sure that the order is correct that's, that's made it there. And the roofers can come in and dry it in and get the shingles loaded up there and start putting the shingles on the house. Um, after the roof is on, we want to make sure that we get the windows in there as soon as possible and, and get all the windows delivered and get them set. Get the doors delivered and get them set. One thing we try not to do is we, if it depends on what the weather is, but we'll wait to get that interior garage door, the garage door that comes from the, the garage to the interior of the house. We'll wait to get that delivered because there's so much traffic coming in and out of there that we don't want it to get beat up. So we just, in, in the thresholds and everything, we want to wait for that to, to get installed later on. Um, so when the windows come out, we get set. We want to, we want to, um, we want to review this and we want to inspect them. Make sure that the flashings are on correctly and the flashings have sealed themselves to the wall that they're not peeling off, that they don't have an opportunity to peel off. Um, making sure that the windows are all in place. They're all in good shape. None of them are broken. None of the exterior frames are dented. And, and, uh, if there is anything that we need to, we need to call it to the supplier's attention right away. Um, that flashing is a big deal on there and, and it never used to be. I mean, we build houses for years and years and years where the flashing on the foundation, uh, at the top of the foundation, the flashing around the doors, the flashing around the windows was nil. I mean, it was, if anything, and, and so that it's amazing for, for hundreds of years that we got by with nothing. And, and then now all of a sudden it's a huge deal and it's really, really important. Um, this is a good positive change that we've made to our systems, but this is definitely something we, we want to, um, pay attention to. Um, and then, um, you know, as we get through the windows and, and the doors are set, now our mechanics can come in there. And our mechanics, the first guys that are going to start are the plumbers and the uh, heating and air conditioning. I want those guys in there at the same time. Our guys usually work really well together. They've, they've been in all of our houses together for so long. They understand each other. And and you have to get them in there to work together to understand where the piping is going to go, where the where their duct work is going to go. So they're not eating up each other's joist spaces and, and having to move things later on. And they can lay things out and work together on that. Um, and, and talk about, you know, gas locations and water line locations and venting locations, all those things need to be worked out after they're done. Then the electrician comes in and the electrician has to come through and make sure that everything's going to work and, and get through that. Um, you know, it, at the same time, we probably want to be doing some framing punch out work because in the basement where we finished most of our basements here, um, we have to build drops and we have to do some furring out and, and before the electrician can complete his job, those things need to be done in order to get some ceiling lights in there, get wiring in there and understand where he's going to be putting things. Um, so, so a lot of those things are happening now. I, I will tell you, we have a, we have an um, emotional flow chart that we use when we're building these houses and, and it's kind of funny. And I think we got it from our national association of home builders and we use it as a, as kind of a tool is when we're introducing the house to people, when we're talking about signing a contract, um, it's not 
necessarily made to be taken seriously, but it's pretty spot on. And we can see, we can show you when your when your spirits are going to be high and when your spirits are going to be low. When we get into the mechanical phase of the house, your spirits have the tendency to just drop a little bit because it looks like nothing's going on. It looks like the house is just sitting there and nothing's happening. It's because everything's happening on the inside. And this could take, you know, three, four, five, six weeks, sometimes, you know, more longer. It depends on the size of the house. And, uh, and, it, and so you get a little bit like, you know, what are you doing over there? Um, the other thing that can happen here now that we've got the roof on, if you're in a neighborhood and it has sewer to it, we can install the sewer and the water and the electric and the gas, uh, all the exterior utilities. They want the roof on and they want the windows on because they don't want any storm water running down through the sewer system, um, the, the sanitary sewer system. If it's a septic system, you still, you still, you can get that in pretty much as soon as you, you can get the grade on it and you can get all that stuff put together. Um, but you know, once the roof's on and, and you're starting to think about getting the utilities hooked up, you want to make sure that you get that in there because our utility company here in Southwest Ohio takes forever to get something hooked up to the house. It's supposed to be 10 days. Well, then it's 10 working days and then it's another couple days over the weekend. And then they come out and then they are like, Oh man, I couldn't find it. And then they, and it just turns into a 35, 60 day deal. And it just pisses me off because we really need this utilities on to keep acclimating all the materials in the house. And, and, um, and we, it just seems to be like a mission impossible. So, uh, you want to make sure that you're, you're running your utilities early on and, and have plenty of time to get inspections and get the energy company to come out there and try to hook it up, attempt to hook, attempt to answer the phone, to take your application, to hook it up and then keep working on them. Um, so, uh, you know, now we're, what our, what our next phase is, our next goal here is, is to work towards insulation and work towards exterior covering. So one of the other things that's going on at the same time, the mechanicals are doing out there for me anyway, is that we're putting the exterior trim on the outside of the house. So we're running all the exterior trim materials. And I want this done for a couple of reasons. One is, um, it takes our exterior trim guys a little while to get out the job. And, and, uh, once they're there, they're there, hit or miss, hit or miss. And I want to make sure they're, they're getting going and, and working on it. The other reason is, is because by the time we drywall and we're getting ready to blow insulation in there, I want the outside of that house sealed up. I don't want that insulation blowing all over town and I won't want any birds getting up in there. I don't want anything else happening to it. I want to get the place sealed up. It's the right way to do it. Um, and then we work our way down from there. So we have all of our eaves and, and soffits and gutter boards on, and then we're working our way down to the brick or to the siding or however it's going to work. Um, we, um, so, so that's what our, that's what our next phase is after we get out of mechanicals. Uh, another part of the mechanical is, is not only the HVAC plumbing and electrician is low voltage and the low voltage consists of speakers and data feeds. And, you know, we used to use phone and cable and, and security systems and all kinds of things like that. So that's important to, to look for, um, a couple, couple points uh, to note out some things I'm looking for when I'm talking about the plumbing is, uh, I'm looking at the fixture placements on the, um, cabinet layout and, and making sure that we have got those lined up and centered up in those rooms. Same thing with the commodes. Um, how many of the commodes landed on a joist space and what, what do we have to do? Some headers down there to block it off. What do we have to do to make sure that, um, that, that everything's going to flow correctly tub placements, um, verifying the selections coming out of the book, water heater locations, the water service location. If there, is there a sprinkler on the house, um, washer, the, the, the washer and dryers that we use now, um, they require more than just a pipe sticking out of the wall or anything like that. We have to make sure that we are looking at the location of the height of them side to side. Is it, is it front loads and does the washer have to be on the right? And does the dryer have to be on the left the way the doors open? Um, are they on pedestals? Are they just sitting on the ground? Is there a countertop that goes over top of them? What do we need to know about that? Who knew that we needed to worry so much about our laundry? Um, but it's, it's a very important part of it. Is it gas or is it electric? You know, that's another big thing. Um, so, so there's a lot of things that we're paying attention to on the, on the plumbing um, coming out of there. Uh, and then the, the, for the HVAC, you know, if we, if we have you know more than two or three furnaces in that house, then we need to make sure that and they're going in a closet. We need to make sure that on the frame stage that we get that closet drywalled prior to setting the furnace up in there. Uh, that's a, that's an important part altogether. Making sure that the dryer vents are again, like just like the plumbing are in the right locations. The hood vent in the kitchen is becoming a big, big deal because sometimes we have 10 inch, 12 inch vents that come up out of there. And if the, if the hood is in the center of the kitchen, we have to figure out a way to get that thing vented to the exterior. Are we going up? Are we going down? Are we going side to side? 
Um, do we have to build drops, which, you know, I mean, if it's, if it's not going straight up through the attic, then, then we've got a problem. We need to get it out of there. Uh, a lot of different things to pay attention to on that hood vent. Do we need makeup air? Because some of these vent hoods that we use are, have such a high CFM that they're pulling so much air out of the house that you have to make up air to put back into the house. Otherwise it'll, it'll mess the furnace up and it'll mess everything else up and it'll pull the curtains off the wall if you wanted to. So it turns into a different, different ball game. Um, humidifiers is, are the humidifiers in there? Uh, the thermostat locations, um, are we doing zone condition spaces? Um, where the AC is going and making sure that we've confirmed that with the customer that, and it's not, you know, the AC location is a big deal. You don't want it out there on a back patio. You don't want it hanging off of a bedroom wall, uh, because you don't want it because we put it on pipes sticking out of the wall. You don't want the noise. You don't want the vibration. Um, a lot of things that happen with that, the, uh, the drops in the basement, um, location of floor vents. I don't want them ending up underneath doors. If we have curtains coming down, I don't want them blowing the curtains all over the place all the time. Um, and the cold air returns, making sure they're not ending up in a, uh, in a built-in area. And, and same thing with, with supply lines, making sure that they're coming out of the wall, that they're coming out in a certain spot. So there's a lot of, a lot of things to pay attention to. And I'm skipping over a lot of this stuff, but I'm trying to give you the highlights so I don't bore the crap out of you for the electrical. Um, you know, you got to make sure where the panel box locations are and the electric meter locations are on the outside. There's the gas lines in the electric, the gas meter and the electric meter. They have rules. They have to be so feet, so many feet apart, three feet apart. They can't be by windows. They can't be under windows, three feet apart or away from those guys again. So you have to really find a way to get in there, checking out the amperage size of that, making sure that it lines up with what our selections say. You know, we, we are typically a three to 400, sometimes six, 700 or 600 amp, um, want lines running into the house um where are we grounding at and we and we have to figure this out because we have to ground a rebar that goes into the foundation down to the for the electric panel um the appliances do we need a do we need a sub panel running over by the kitchen which 99 percent of the time we're running that over there believe it or not um and then you know gas lines is it electric is it gas making sure is there a generator is there tv locations um, all these different things. Is there floor outlets in the basement? Hopefully we figured that out before we pour it the basement floor. Is there floor outlets in the first floor or anything like that? Sump pump, you know, we want to make sure that we have the sump pump outlet is already wired up and ready to go. So when we do get the electric hot in the house, that that is the first thing that we put in there. Otherwise we have an extension cord ran to it at all times. Um, the low voltage contractor, you know, they are going to come in, they've got their thing there. They're usually a um, guys that are self-sufficient, you know, they know they've met with a customer on their own. They know where they're putting everything and they're running everything out. The one thing you want to make sure of is if they have a cable outlet that's up high and, or the data feed that's up high and, and, you know, so you can hang a TV on there and we didn't run an outlet up there and we missed it for something. That's something we want to double check, um, making sure that, that you have those in this correct area where you could envision your furniture and your furniture needs to be in, in the top of your mind when you're laying out electrical outlets and heating and air conditioning vents. Um, so, uh, you know, underground utilities on the outside, you know, you have to make sure that we call in 811, which is our utility marking company here in Ohio, Southwest Ohio. And, and that's very important because if you don't get those utilities marked and we go start digging into the ground and we hit something, which has happened multiple times, um, then, then you're responsible for paying for it and it gets expensive and it's very dangerous too. Let me remind you, uh, that if you do hit these lines and it's not just a phone line, you hit something else, another electric line, it'll kill you. And so you have to make sure that, that we mark those and pay attention to it. You want to make sure that your utility contractor, if you're digging in a sewer, uh, out there on the site, he is, or she is using a trench box, which is a safety area that goes down inside the trench when they're down in the, in the trench working that the, if it does cave in, they're inside this box and it can be very, very helpful and life-saving. I think one of the dumbest things we do on these houses is, is uh, run that sewer out from underneath the basement floor and get natural gravity flow, which is fine. You know, when you're talking about plumbing, you want as little of mechanical failure to possibly happen. So if you're going into a grinder and ejection pump system or, or something of, of the sort, it, there runs an opportunity for, for something to break in there and it won't run consistently. And so you want to make sure that everything's flowing naturally out from underneath the slab. Uh, but in that, you know, sometimes we're running ditches on the outside of the house that are at least 10 feet deep, uh, to get underneath the footer. Sometimes they're, uh, 12, 14 feet deep and, and it's very dangerous. Um, there's multiple occasions here in Southwest Ohio 
where people have been killed. They've been trapped in these ditches and it just, it just I, it makes me sick to my stomach to think about it. But, but you know, there's, there's a technique that you have to do that's, it's proper and using those trench boxes, making sure it's, it's important. So, um, and, and that job turns into its own animal when those guys are out there doing that. So you want to stay away that day. Um, so, so now we're getting ready to go into our insulation and insulation. Everybody talks about energy and, uh, energy savings and energy efficiency. And, and it's not just with the insulation. It's not just with two by six walls and two by four walls. You can do a fine job of insulating these houses with two by four walls is more better. Yes, absolutely. Now, however, what happens is, is these guys, if they go to two by six walls, then they go two foot on center. So now you're getting more insulation value and less wood value in a wall. And, and that's all fine and dandy. But uh, in my opinion, and being an, an old school builder, I don't want to take more structural members out of that wall for the sheer value and for the point load value than what I need to. I want to keep it 16 inches on center. Um, you, you're you're going to get better insulation value if you do it two foot on center, but, um, you know, that's, that is what it is. Um, I, I want, I want more wood members in there. So, uh, we want to, we want to pay attention to the labor, the guys installing the insulation. So don't use an R19 to be proud of it. And the guy just goes out there and smashes it into the wall. The most important thing is that the insulation has layers to it. It has different levels that go, the air has to travel through. So the insulation, if it's supposed to be eight inches thick, don't compress it into the wall to try and get it to fit into a four inch cavity because now it's useless and it won't work. Same thing around doors and windows. Uh, You don't want to take pieces of insulation and take a shim and just cram it in there. It's where it's a solid member going around that door. Uh, it, it doesn't work the way it should. The insulation is supposed to work where it's got tons and tons of layers where that air has to travel through it. Um, making sure that the house is completely cleaned out before the insulators get there. It's been swept. All the stud spaces, all the cavities everywhere has been cleaned out. Uh, number one, it should be clean. You don't want to live in the house where it's got dirt piled up and, and sawdust shavings and stuff piled up in the walls. But uh, the other thing is we want to make sure that insulation tucks down into those corners uh, perfectly down into the top and down into the bottom in each space uh, we also want to make sure that and, and the other advantage you get with two by six walls is is when you uh, have electrical outlets and switch boxes on the walls the exterior walls you can get some insulation behind there uh, if you're using a two by four wall and and you know you can't get the insulation back around that pipe that that box on there then we probably want to take a piece of blue board and slick it back there it's an insulation board to to increase the insulation value behind there so it's not just plywood and and, um, and whatever the exterior material is uh, so we want to we want to look at all these things we use what we call a craft back paperback insulation here it's our vapor barrier uh, for the interior of the house and and um, you know the reason why I say that is because when I first started building we were using just a, a non paperback insulation and we would hang plastic four mil plastic on the walls and you could walk into the houses and you could see the moisture just building up in there and if if it was a rainy day or something and we quit that a long 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 time ago but but i think this paperback insulation is the best way to go and and again it works as a system so you have your envirodry on the outside you have your wall cavity and and uh, with the insulation on the inside of it and then you have your drywall and your paint and and everything and then whatever your exterior material covering is if you have brick on the outside or you have uh, siding on the outside that is all considered your r value and helps the value of the wall um uh, the the insulation value of the wall very important stuff for that insulation um again it comes down to a great contractor and making sure that all the areas are covered uh the the blown in insulation in the attic you have to make sure that when we look upstairs in the attic that that you're seeing different spots where if I imagine this guy who's blowing the insulation in there, who's probably really good at what he does, but if he can't see a spot or he's getting to a difficult place where he's having to build up a lot of insulation, uh, I want to make sure that those areas are batted because, because I don't want to run the risk of, of doing all this great thick insulation all throughout the attic. And we leave a two foot hole somewhere that's useless to, to be able to do that. Um, so we're getting ready to go. We're in the insulation stage, a very important part of it. You know, you think, 
think about the efficiency of your windows, the efficiency of your doors, how well they're sealed up around the inside and the cavities that go around those areas. And we're thinking about our wall cavity space for the insulation and our wall cavity and our, and our floor joist cavity spaces and at, at the insulation that's in there. Wood has a lower value, R value, than insulation does. So that's why the more insulation, the better, the less wood, the better. But, you know, for the structure, it's got to be an equal balance. And hopefully you have a great architect and a, and a builder that understands that. Um, the other thing we could be doing right now, so we've got all of our exterior utilities in and, and, and we've got it graded up and, and the place should look beautiful at this point. You've got a roof on it. The windows are set. The doors are in and the grade is, is looking great on the outside. We have positive drainage all the way around the house from where it's maybe settled from where we backfilled the basement. And now we can start laying the brick or start, you know, if we're doing, when I talk about outside trim right away, I'm talking about the eaves and the rakes and all the stuff that's up on the roof lines and, and any above grade siding that's up there. If it's an all hardy house and that we're using here, um, then, then we're just continuing to move on and we're, and we're going to start putting the hardy on. If it's a brick house, we've got all of our outside trim on and now we're ready to start laying the brick and, and, um, you know, bricklayers come in again, we got to have a flash and seal at the top of the foundation, making sure that that the whole thing is sealed up. Brick is made to absorb water, believe it or not. And, and it shouldn't absorb a river of water, like a complete hose, but it's made to absorb water to where the water runs down the back of the brick and then comes out. So at the bottom of the brick, you're going to see a bunch of weep holes, which is like every three bricks, you're going to see a gap in the brick and it's got a little cover or a foam, foam, um, sealer in there above the windows and below the windows, you're going to see these sealers and, and they, they do, they let the moisture out, but they also let the hot air out on a hot day and that sun is baking on that brick on the outside of it and you get in between that cavity that goes in between the frame wall and the brick it gets above 100 and plus degrees in there and and again it's like the attic you got to make sure that you get that out of there because it's, it's going to ruin the efficiency of your house it's going to ruin the efficiency of your walls and and you have to you have to get that air flowing in and out of there um so so the bricks going on the outside you know some things to pay attention to on a brick uh you know when the guys are, are laying a brick most guys uh that i've seen you know you got to watch the bricklayers i want to make sure that the butt joints are lining up right so um everything's in a straight line perfectly level and if it doesn't and they and they pull off and, and the scaffolding off you're going to look at the side of that house and it's going to look like it's waving to you and it's and that's that's a horrible thing and i've seen a lot of that happen and uh, and so you want to make sure you have a really good bricklayer um that they're using the right kind of mortar which is uh you know in 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 southwest ohio here we were using a type in mortar for brick and uh and they're they're mixing the, the mortar uh correctly with sand and water and uh, and when they're laying a the brick up there they're running the mortar down and they're getting a pretty good chunk filled up into the little holes of the brick. And then they're cleaning the back of the brick off as well as the front of the brick. You don't want a bunch of mortar. Keep following down, falling down behind the brick, falling down behind a brick and then filling that cavity up in the back of there. So you have to have a good conscious brick layer. These guys are craftsmen. Um, they're, they're just really, really good at what they do and they have, and they have to understand again, the philosophies of what we're going through. So, uh, that's, that's an important part of it. You do not want to be hanging drywall at the same time you're laying brick. You can't have that banging on the inside of the wall and vibrating on the outside of the brick because the brick are held up to the wall with what we call a wall tie. It's a little piece of rigid metal that gets bent on a 90 degree angle, gets nailed to the plywood wall, and then comes down and goes in between down in the mortar joint in between the bricks. If you're up there and banging the, the drywall, screwing it in and, and hammering nails into the wall and that wall is vibrating, it'll shimmy that, that wall tie loose. So you want to make sure that either you hang the brick or you lay the brick first, or you hang the drywall first, uh, and then, and then keep moving on. So, um, so at this point, man, we're, uh, we're ready to start hanging drywall and, uh, and we've got a beautiful outside of the house. The house is coming along nicely. Um, and, and the outside trims on the bricks on we're it, we should be about ready to pour some concrete. We we're doing what we call a pre drywall walk. So I should back up a little bit and go back to that electrical thinking about a customer's experience here. Um, we do an electrical walkthrough with our customers, even though we've talked about this in the selections and everywhere else we go, uh, with electric, we do now, we now do an electrical walkthrough where the electricians on the site, um, Robin in our office here, our designer that's on staff, she's out there with you. Usually we bring the lighting salesperson, Lisa from lighting FX here in Cincinnati. 
is out there on a job with them. And, and of course the supervisor's on a job with them. And we're walking through this house for a couple, quite a few hours and we're marking down where the switches are, where the outlets are and just confirming where everything's going, uh, and, and door swings and all sorts of things. Um, that's one. Now we're getting ready to do the hang drywall. So we do what we call a pre drywall inspection and a pre drywall inspection is just a going back through and making sure that everything's into places where we want it to. And, and before we wrap the house up with drywall, because it's a lot easier to fix now than it is after drywall. And we're also looking at landscaping. We're looking at, um, we're looking at exterior concrete and, uh, and looking at a couple other things, giving the people, um, you know, just an opportunity to meet with us and review a few different things. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of different details in there. I'm trying not to bore everybody to death so where I can continue to try and gain some listeners here. But, um, so there's a lot of different details that, that happen in these first phases. This is the structure, this is the mechanics, and this is the efficiency uh, of the house at this point. And it's very important to pay attention to. Uh, I like to tell people this just because I, I think that sometimes we get hung up uh, when you're buying a house on the colors of things and the and the materials of things, and you're not paying attention to a lot of the, the details. Um, some people like to listen to uh, their friends, and they like to go to YouTube, and then they like to think that they know more than what they do. And and I really encourage you just to have conversations with your builder. And, and you know, we're all human. Um, you know, I, I talked about this on, on, uh, Brad's podcast this week that we're the manufacturers. There's how many things do you know in your life that are manufactured right in front of you that are made right in front of you and they're humanly made. We're all human. And I can't stress this enough that there will be things that happen and we are problem solvers and we need to work the problems out. And, and what makes you the customer? One thing is, is that you have no idea how many different problems we've worked out. And it didn't, didn't even, you didn't even realize it. And we're trying to work through them. We're thinking about this. We're, our heart and souls are into these things, into these houses. And, and I hope that, that customers understand that. And, uh, and you just got to have a, a conversation with your builder to make sure that everybody's on the same page with all of these different things. If you have questions, reach out. Uh, that's the best advice I can give you when you're building a house. Um, so, Hey, that's, that's the podcast, uh, for this, uh, Tuesday, May 23rd. I hope you guys are getting some useful information out of this, man. I'm really looking forward to our next podcast. It's it's, I'm going to leave it up to, to, as a surprise and we'll do, we'll drop a couple hints on, uh, on Facebook and Instagram, um, and, and to let you know who she is because it has nothing to do with building houses and, and it's going to be a really cool it, it interview. Um, she's a friend of mine and, uh, has a really cool thing going on there. So it's a super special person and, uh, and that'll be in two weeks. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you guys had a great mother's day and once again happy mother's day to everybody from this past uh, week and a half ago and uh and we're looking forward to to breaking out into the summer here as the kids get out of school and uh and and thanks again everybody for listening so um if you uh want to be a part of the conversation don't forget to um reach out to me at the wb download w or not the but it's wb download at wheelandbuilders.com wb download at w-i-e-l-a-n-d builders dot com and uh, if you want to check out our website wheelandbuilders.com and check out the homes that we build we got tons of pictures on there we have our contact information on there you and uh, and if you're ever in southwest ohio stop in westchester here and we're at the corner of tylersville road and 75 and see our awesome office here in, in our selection center and our headquarters uh, pretty cool building that we're pretty proud of so come on over and see us um, hey thanks again everybody i really appreciate you listening and uh, we'll catch you next time